Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We are under two weeks away until the NFL draft, so we've got plenty to get you caught up on on today's episode. We'll start things off with beach season. They played a game of State Your Case for some of their favorite NFL draft prospects. After that, I joined Pete Sweeney on this week's edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We've got all the Chiefs news and notes from the past week. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. Ron Kopp and Rocky Magania sat down and discussed their finalized position rankings for the NFL Draft. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. All right. Well, we're going to transition into a little activity that I came up with, and this is going to be called State Your Case. We always like to see mock drafts, and when we talk about prospects, we always kind of get into this little square. We're always just kind of mocking the same players in the same positions to the Chiefs over and over again. And it's always like, oh, I think the Chiefs might take Will McDonald, or how about Felix Anaduke Uzama, or what about Anton Harrison? And we just get paint ourselves into this little box box where it's like oh wide receiver edge and offensive tackle are the only positions that should be taken and it's about 10 players like honestly i feel like if we took large consensus mock drafts you see on twitter or written by uh real nfl media there the the variance is about 20 players so we wanted to do this activity where in the first or second round so the chiefs first two picks we're going to state our case for some less commonly mocked players and why we think that they actually could be a big pick good pick for the chiefs so I'm going to go first. This one came to me. I've come full circle with this player. I've come from, oh, I'm not sure that this player will be good. I'm not sure that this would be a good player for the Chiefs. I'm out on this player. I don't think she should take him at all. And I'm all the way back to the Chiefs should take this player. And here's why. At pick 31, the Chiefs called Darnell Washington's name to the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is why I'm in on him. The Chiefs have right tackle issues. This is a true statement. If the Chiefs pick at 31 and don't move up, they are likely getting tackle five or six off the board. What is one of Darnell Washington's calling cards? The fact that he's like an extra tackle. So you instantly upgrade your protection of Patrick Mahomes and pass protection by keeping Darnell Washington on your roster. Then you also factor in the fact that they have run an incredible amount of 13 personnel recently. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that I'd rather have Darnell Washington on the field as a blocker than Blake Bell. And then any of the other tight ends and Jody Fortson that they have on the roster. And Darnell Washington obviously has huge potential as a pass catcher. He just happened to play on an offense that has like a top 10 tight end and or top 10 player in next year's draft with Brock Bowers. The the potential with him is unlimited. Give him a few years with Travis Kelsey to learn the the ins and outs of being a tight end. You're going to get day one value from him just as a blocker. And we've seen that she's utilized the tight end too more and more. I feel like this is the highest potential ceiling or uh, highest potential yeah ceiling that they've had in a tight end two in a long time give him time to develop it's a pick 31 you're getting a, a top two player at the position depending on how you feel about Dalton Kincaid or Michael Meyer and then you're getting impact like I feel like this is a very high floor pick so Darnell Washington to the Chiefs at pick 31 not conventional but I think it could work I don't hate it I mean he's pretty athletic you know the Chiefs are gonna have to look post Travis Kelsey at some point. I think they did that a little bit with Noah Gray, but I think we can both agree that Noah Gray, as, as good of a role player as he is, is not the the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey's legacy here in Kansas City at tight end. And so the Chiefs need to be looking for somebody else. Um, me, I'm up next. 
I'm going to go with I, 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 a little bit of curveball. I changed this on you on the fly here, Price, but I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet running back out of UCLA. The guy is just a complete bulldozer. He averaged 4.15 yards after contact this past year, 1,300 yards rushing, you know, seven yards per attempt running the ball. The guy just breaks tackles. All he does is just like you, if you try to arm tackle him, you're not going to bring him down. He's a large running back. He's not going to give you a lot in the passing game, but he's six feet tall, 214 pounds. He, he, ju- he, like, if you want a guy who, if you, and as much as I talk trash on Derrick Henry for skipping leg day and for being overrated, if you want a guy who's that style of runner, who's just going to be a bruiser and just punish the opposing team. Zach Charbonnet is that guy. And I know that to an extent, Isaiah Pacheco was also that guy, but Isaiah Pacheco, as hard as he runs and as angry as he runs, doesn't have the power that Zach Charbonnet does. Now they would be a great one, two punch rushing the ball. Now that we would still need a third down back and a receiving who can also catch the ball. And so this does pigeonhole the chiefs need a little bit there on the back end, but man, like, Fit aside, he would just be so fun to watch running the ball. Like, like the Chiefs haven't had a running back like this since Christian Okoye, like a guy who runs with this much power. And so, I mean, I'm saying Zach Charbonnet, pick 63, take him in the second round. He would be an interesting fit. Um, you, you, you know, you mentioned his calling cards, the power, but he's also an underrated pass catcher. He's been split out wide quite a bit as a wide receiver. 320 yards in his last season. The one problem is with him is pass protection. He's not really shown a lot there. I do think that the Chiefs feel pretty good about Isaiah Pacheco growing in that space this coming year. To me, it's partially experience, partial partial willingness and, and technique. But he would be an interesting fit. But I'll, I'll raise you your Zach Charbonnet. And I'll say at pick 31, what if I told you the Chiefs could upgrade a player on their roster who was second on the team in receiving touchdowns and fourth in the team in receiving yards? That sounds like an important player to the Kansas City Chiefs. What if I told you that player was Jameer Gibbs at pick 31, running back Alabama? Here's why. Yes, we're doing the running back at 31. Again, uh, scream into your pillow, please. Um, Here's the thing. Jameer Gibbs does so much of what the Chiefs value and does them so well. His ceiling as a pass catcher is immense. His ceiling as a pass blocker is still, there's still a lot more room for growth there. Not meaning that he's bad, but he definitely can be a true third down back and provide value to the Chiefs as a a runner as well. Um, He's underrated as a runner. And I truly think that the Chiefs, if you can get a running back at the slot for 31, we're talking, you know, draft compensation here money-wise, that's a valuable player. They're going to get a a tremendous amount of value out of them. If you're going to keep coming back to the well to a player like Damian Williams, to a player like Jarek McKinnon year after year, and paying them $1.5 million every season – you're eventually going to end up spending more than you would be paying a pick 31. And you get that flexibility with the third year option or the fifth year option as well for that player. Do I love the notion of him at 31? No, I would love it if like, Hey, the chiefs traded down in the second round and that was their first pick, but it was pick like 45 or 38 or something like that. I would like that a little bit more because it meant they were getting more compensation. But if Jameer Gibbs is the first chief play uh, player called on draft night, I don't think that that's that's the worst thing that could happen because I think you're getting and and something that has changed here too from Clyde Edwards-Alaire to Jameer Gibbs is that Patrick Mahomes has developed a lot 
in dumping the ball off to a running back. I don't think in 2018 or 2019, you could have Jarek McKinnon being second in the team in touchdowns and fourth in yards. So I think that's a huge step forward for the Chiefs. And go look at what the Patriots dynasty did with receiving running backs. That was something that they coveted and put an immense value on it. Now, there's different ways to win a championship. But Jameer Gibbs, if you're a Kansas City Chief, I'm not mad. I mean... Any other year where there's no B. John Robinson in this draft, Jameer Gibbs is running back one on the board, hands down. He's an electric player. He's a playmaker. He's that big play guy. Uh, but he also can handle the down-to-down responsibilities. I don't hate it. I don't hate Jameer Gibbs as a player. Do I want the Chiefs to take a running back at 31 that's not B. John Robinson? Probably not. But if they did it, in Veach we trust, baby. So, you know, I go for it. How- Why not? Why me, not? Yeah, let me ask you a question. Just totally off subject, but I just want to hear your answer. What week would it be before Chiefs fans stopped complaining about Bijan Robinson draft slot? Like NFL week. Was it week two? Week three at the latest. That Chiefs fans stopped complaining about drafting Bijan Robinson because they see what the results would be. When the Chiefs are hoisting the Lombardi trophy. And then <laughs> some people right. would still be saying, Well, we could have had Anton Harrison, you know, at 31. And then we could have had Dwayne McBride in the third round. And then we probably would have ran for an extra 500 yards because of the quality of the line, plus the depth of the position and all this sort of stop overthinking it guys. Sometimes you just got to take the best player on the board and there's not, if if B. John Robinson is there at 31, there's not going to be a better player on the board, but I'm not going to be talking about B. John Robinson here. That's not my guy that I'm going with. I'm going with Sam Laporta tight end. Iowa Hawkeyes, baby. You want to talk about a uh, receiving threat who could be the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey? This guy runs the most nuanced routes, I think, of almost any tight end coming out of this draft, not named Dalton Kincaid, right? Um, I I think he's the second best route runner of tight ends coming out of this draft. He's got natural soft hands, catches the ball well, turns up field, moves well in space. Um, he's athletic enough to get downfield. Uh, he's not a very good run blocker, but that's not why we'd be drafting him in this situation. We'd be drafting him as a wide receiver threat to, t- to take over for Kelsey and to learn from Kelsey. Um, I'm just a big fan of this guy. You just watch his tape and it just looks so natural and effortless. He just like, not just not to sound too hippy dippy on everybody here, but the guy moves like water when he's on the field, it's just so fluid. And, and when he comes in and out of his cuts, turns out field, everything he does, it just flows. And when you watch the guy, like, like, and you, you like, honestly, when you watch him play and then you see his, you, cause he's not the most athletic guy. He didn't put up the best combine numbers, but when you watch him play on tape, it, it doesn't matter. Like, like you see the guy and you say, this guy's a football player. This guy is a receiver and this guy knows how to get open. He knows to find space, how to find space in zones. And he knows how to make the most out of each opportunity. So I'm, I'm a real, real big fan of Sam Laporta tied in out of Iowa. Wow. Those are some good antibiotics that your doctor gave you. Uh, Sam Laporta, a beautiful body of water flowing like a like a gurgling stream. This is good. Well, gotta... You're wrong. You're wrong. I haven't called the doctor yet. I'm I'm raw dog at this baby. So uh, I'm just uh, I hopped up on Dayquil right now. Okay, robot tripping. All right. So I, I don't disagree. You know, I think like you know, both of us took a tight end again. I think you're going back to the idea of 
when you're getting tight end two, three, four off the board, whereas you're getting offensive tackle like seven or eight, depending on when you go offensive tackle, wide receiver, five or six, kind of going back to the positional value here. Um, my player that I'm going to call for my last state your case is going to be kind of the same thing. Less valuable position, Keanu Bitten at pick 65 or somewhere around that vicinity. Here's the thing. Keanu Bitten is going to be a DJ reader level player as far as a run blocker. He would instantly probably be the best player that they've had beside Chris Jones. And he still offers quite a bit of upside as a pass rusher. I think what you wanted Jaron Reed to be maybe is what Keanu Bitten could be and have higher ceiling, right? Like that was kind of the hope is that you've got someone who can actually do a little pass rush from the interior. Uh, Keanu Bitten's, you know, been one of the better run defenders in the country next to Massey Smith. Um, and honestly, I like Bitten a little bit more than Smith. And I think he could potentially be defensive tackle one or two taken off the board. Well, that's not true. Jalen Carter and probably Clyde Jacansi. So he'll probably be three or four, but I think, Honestly, him compared to those other players, they're, they're a different type of player. Like you're taking Jalen Carter, Clyde Jacanti because of what they can do um, as far as a pass rusher and then the run also. Uh, Benton's run first and then pass rush upside. But I think his impact on the team would be immense. I think he would probably lead the team in snaps played by rookies, depending on unless they you know somehow get another offensive lineman. I just think that he would play a lot, and the Chiefs would find a lot of value. Instant upgrade over Derek Naughty. And also, the Chiefs really kind of need that type of player who can play on first and second down at defensive tackle. Right now, you're relying on Derek Naughty for that. Yes, we know Amenahu and some of the other players, uh, Mike Dana, that the Chiefs have like to kick inside. They could definitely use someone like that. So Keanu Benton, defensive tackle out of Wisconsin, Kansas City Chiefs, makes a lot of sense. I love Keanu Benton. Keanu Benton is my defensive tackle three in this class, and I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. I don't think there's any way that it, that the NFL lets Keanu Benton out of the first round. I And I think I think that makes a lot of sense for several teams. Like, if you're the – like, I understand positional value, but if you're the Cowboys who have struggled to stop the run for a while now, like, take Massey Smith, take, take Keanu Benton, and you will not have regrets. Now, could you look at him and be like, oh, man, Zay Flowers went one pick later and turns out he's the next Justin Jefferson. Well, then you know what? You can be the Eagles who didn't draft Justin Jefferson. And what, what did the Eagles do this last year? Oh, yeah, they went to the Super Bowl. You're like, you know, pick high floor players that have a low level of bust. And, and if you just keep doing that and rolling it in year after year, it's going to work out for you. So, yeah, I, I don't see why a team doesn't think about doing that because I think the results are going to be positive. When you have so many teams that invest so much on the on the edges of their offensive line, everybody thinks about pass rushers as edge rushers, right? And they think about pass protection as being tackles, right? Which means that there's a lot of soft middles to teams in the NFL. You want to zig when everybody else is zagging or bob when everybody else is weaving. Build your interior pass rush. And you put Keanu Benton next to Chris Jones. Yeah, Keanu Benton is run first. But that doesn't mean he can't rush the passer. And honestly, you see some of his reps. He's got a little bit of Chris Jones in him, like like a little baby Chris Jones is inside of Keanu Bitten. And I tell you what, you get Chris, jo- you get big Chris Jones next to little Chris Jones, and you get them working together and talking and going back and forth. And guess what? Little Chris Jones becomes medium Chris Jones next to big Chris Jones, and that's a handful, baby. And so I- I'm with you, man. I'm all about Keanu Bitten. And so, anyway, moving on, though, my last guy, I'm going to go with Miles Murphy. Now, Miles Murphy is a polarizing guy as far as pass rush goes. A lot of people are like, you watch him and you say, 
He's just a big guy who runs at the tackle. And if he gets past him, good. But he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of pass rush moves. He he's 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 all traits, not a lot of not a lot of skill at this point. But guess what? Those traits have had some results. He's 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 had you know 14 sacks over the last two years. He's he's racked up a heck of a lot of, of pressures and hurries. Um he he and he fits the Spags model, guys. He's 6'5, 258, and he's just a freaky athlete. Like you want to think he's like the Trayvon Walker type of mold type of guy. And maybe that didn't work out the best. Trayvon Walker shouldn't have never been picked number one overall last year. But if Trayvon Walker was picked number 31 last year, people are looking at him entirely differently. So yeah, should Miles Murphy be the first edge off the board? No. Should he be the second edge off the board? No. But if he's still there at 31, then heck yeah, you run up front to get Miles Murphy at number 31 because he has all the traits that you're looking for. He has the size, the speed, the power. You just got to teach the guy how to play football a little bit better. you know. But I, I tell you what, any of these guys that you're getting at 31, they're kind of all the same way. Even guys like FAU aren't finished products, right? So you may, might as well take the guy who has the highest upside and that would be Miles Murphy, you know, in spades. Yeah, and I, I think like a lot of what we're saying here can also probably be copy and pasted for Brian Brzee. A little different situation off the field with like why Brzee's stock has fallen some and why he could be taken at the back of round one. But Miles Murphy, he's raw, right? There's a, there's a lot of things with him and his traits that have yet to develop. He does have some, you know, he's got a pretty good spin move, but most of what he is, like you said, is just kind of straight bull rush. Also, I was looking at mock draftable for you for him whenever you're talking. Do you realize that he has like 4% hand size? It doesn't really matter for a pass rusher, but like he's got Kenny Pickett hands. I don't know. It just jumped out to me. Not sure why his hands are so small. But um, yeah, I mean, again, Miles Murphy, Brian Brzee, like if those guys are still sitting on the board for some reason for the Chiefs, let's say the big run on wide receivers happen, teams go really corner heavy. Yeah, I I, I have zero problem with either one of those names, especially Miles Murphy, because again, he's, he fits that spag threshold. And again, he can probably do the same thing that we've talked about everyone else doing. Rush from the outside, kick inside as well. High, Another high floor player. And yeah, you don't see a lot of him drafted because a lot of player, a lot of people think that he's going to fall or not going to fall that far. But also no one thought that Trent McDuffie would be a chief. And here we are. So that would be pretty exciting. It's the offseason, but it's it's been especially slow for the Kansas City Chiefs. I I really thought heading into this offseason that they may find a way, whether it be through the guarantee mechanisms of Patrick Mahomes or reworking some contracts, maybe an extension for Chris Jones, which we'll talk about in the, in the second segment. They might have had more room, Steve, but it just doesn't seem like that. It, it seems like another offseason of being very careful with the cap, at, at least to this point. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Like, we're kind of complaining about it because when you go back and look at last offseason, they trade Tyreek Hill and there's all this kind of excitement and anxiousness around what the Chiefs are going to be doing without that superstar Hall of Fame caliber player anymore. And now we've just all kind of, you know, it was like a couple of big signings, a couple of small things here and there, and we've all just kind of been sitting around waiting for this draft, hoping that the Chiefs are going to make a big splash. And I think they are. I, I think I think dra- the draft is going to be really exciting here in Kansas City. Well, they have 10 picks, so they had a, a lot of ammo to work with. I know that you guys have been hearing the, the strategies of our great film team, our great draft team that they've been sharing right here on the Airhead Pod podcast network. But I, 
I don't anticipate them using 10 picks. So I have my eyes on the Chiefs to be trading up all weekend. You know, you just think about the amount of young talent on this team. There's just not enough roster spots to feel like they're going to be able to sign a draft class or want to sign a draft class of 10. So I expect Brett Veach, as I've said on previous shows, to be selectively aggressive. And I, I still think, you know, if I'm I'm betting something here, I'm trying to, to go out and uh, a whim and, and, and give you a take. I, I think they trade up in the first round for a position to need somewhere in that like 15 to 25 range. That that seems to be my my sweet spot for the Chiefs right now. And I, I think they'll feel the same way when we get to it. But the draft is two weeks away, so. We will round up the news that we do have right now coming out of one Arrowhead Drive, or I guess I should say, right, this is a popular term in, in Chiefs Kingdom, calling something Arrowhead and then giving a direction. And I think that Arrowhead South is the state of Texas at this stage in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. As Patrick Mahomes is organizing pass catchers in Texas, we know this through some fairly ominous signs through social media of Mahomes throwing to receivers that Chiefs fans have recognized. Among the receivers, Steve, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, Amir Smith-Marset, and the ever-popular, the man, the myth, the legend. Look behind the curtain. It's Justin Ross. This is a a player. I I want to focus on Ross to start this part of our conversation, Steve. <laughs> Uh, that's I have not I have not I'm going to be going into my 10th season you'll hear me say that a lot as we go into year 2023 here I have not and I cannot recall a player who has not played a down of football in the NFL uh, and really had such a questionable ending to his college career have this much hype the Chiefs fans, and I know some of you are out there listening, you love seeing Ross videos pop up. You love seeing him run up that hill. When Mahomes is caught throwing to Justin Ross, I, I know you love it, and I I just can't see it still. Uh, but look, we, we have to cover it because, it, Steve, it's become such a topic among you know, Chiefs Twitter and I'm sure Chiefs fans as they discuss uh, when you have a holiday weekend like last weekend or, or in their bar or at restaurants with friends, Steve. I'm honestly surprised that it took videos of Patrick Mahomes working out with him in Texas and throwing him passes for it to really ramp up. Cause there was a little bit of the chatter. Well, just wait till Justin Ross, you know, is healthy and the chiefs turn him into a wide receiver one. And I mean, that being said, Justin Ross body type and his player profile fits exactly what the chiefs need in a wide receiver. And so you know, all these veterans getting signed, Odell Beckham going somewhere else. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is still up in the air and we'll see what happens with him. But I, I mean, Justin Ross is a guy on the roster who fits what they need in that kind of outside wide receiver. It it's, doesn't make you feel good if they go into the season with it like that. Like if they don't even take a wide receiver in the draft and they just go into it with Justin Ross. But I mean, if he winds up being a playmaker and being a guy that is impactful for them, that's a pretty cool story. I'm just shocked that it's taken this long for the Justin Ross train to really get going because we didn't get to see him at all last year. Yeah, it it is. It has been a, a strange circumstance. I, you know, everyone has a projection on on this guy. And, and the idea was that had his Clemson career 
not been interrupted in 2020 with the spinal surgery, he would have been a clear cut first round pick. Again, it, you know, if you don't remember, he returns to Clemson in 2021. That year is shortened by a foot issue, which popped up in Kansas City again last offseason. So they did shut him down uh, again, had surgery. They, they put him on injured reserve. I imagine it was to build up strength. I have to be honest here. Again, I, I saw him last camp and I wasn't the biggest believer. I mean, I was there every day, but. You did have Travis Kelsey on social media hyping him up about making a one-handed catch at practice. You saw it, and that only, I, I think, enhanced the hype. I I would love I – know I know you hear a lot of people say this, but I would love to be wrong about this. But even when he was at his healthiest last year in camp, it just looked like the game was a, you know, a tick or two too fast for Justin Ross. Maybe it was the injury thing, which I – I guess we'll see when we start to see these workouts because we're, you know, about a month or so removed where we're, we're going to get about one look a week, and then I I get to go to all three days of, of mandatory mini camp. But I, I don't, you know, I caution you to just be banking on. Yeah, it's okay. Juju Smith Schuster went to the New England Patriots because we have Justin Ross. Like, if you want to tell me, hey, it's okay that Juju is a Patriot now because I believe in Sky Moore. Shout out to our our guy guy coast to coast Mark Gunnels, who is uh, the biggest Moore fan I, I think on the planet, based upon some of his tweets. Like, if you want to tell me that, all right, I'll sit down at the table. I'm just, I just don't see it with Ross being a, a proper answer. How do how can anyone know that or or feel that at this stage? Wow. I mean, I'm going to hope that because I remember you saying that last year during training camp, we were doing like those daily camp reports. And I remember you being like, yeah, yeah, he just doesn't really look like he doesn't stand out. Like He's not a guy that's <laughs> flashing anything. And I know, I guess I, I'm hopeful that it was the foot injury that sidelined him for the whole season and that he was still trying to kind of work through. But I mean, there's a chance with his injury history and everything that he's gone through in his career so far that he's just never quite going to be the same player like that. That that mm. is a, a realistic <laughs> circumstance that we have to acknowledge here. But if the Chiefs wind up not taking a wide receiver in the draft or, you know, e- even trying to bring in another veteran that you feel a little bit more comfortable with, like MVS, we know exactly who he is as a player and. Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, I don't think have hit their NFL ceilings yet. Like, I still think that they have a lot of upside, but there's enough there for you to be legitimately worried if that's your group of wide receivers going into next season. Yeah, I I go to the other receivers that are down there because I just don't want to spend the, the whole few minutes here just talking about Ross. You add MVS and Sky Moore and Jody Fordson, which you'd have to imagine each of those guys are going to have bigger roles for the chiefs this year. Now that Juju is no longer the chief and they haven't really filled, filled that role. Good to see Smith Marset, I think in that mix as well. And this plays right into what becomes our, our next topic, uh, by the way, phase one starts on April 17th. So ultimately Steve, good to see that Mahomes is even ahead of camp Pat. This is like the training camp for, for camp Pat. He's, he's ahead of the, the cusp uh, getting the guys together even before, uh, they start their virtual meetings with the coaching staff, um, w- which we anticipate will begin next Monday. And usually that does come with the press conference, by the way, but not to not to get off uh, the beaten path here. Sky Moore, Jody Fortson, Smith Marset, and Ross, and and sticking with Smith Marset, the Chiefs signed wide receiver Richie James uh, this week as 
Odell Beckham Jr., that dream ends. He ends up going to the Baltimore Ravens on $15 million guaranteed. More on that in a second. But I think Smith-Marset and James give you some interesting returner options in what is now the post-Tyree Kill and McColl Hardman era. I know that last year it was Pacheco and it was Kadarius Toney. I tend to think Kadarius Toney is going to be the punt returner. I said this, Steve, if you remember last year, I kept on wondering why you had your starting running back, which is very clearly at this stage, Isaiah Pacheco, as your returner. So I wonder if these guys get an opportunity that you know this year. And Richie James, who comes to the Chiefs after a year with the, the Giants, he does have some of that, I think, wide receiver four, five, six type of upside after posting McCall Hardman-like numbers over 500 yards. I believe he had four touchdowns in the last few weeks of the season uh, with the New York Giants. Yeah, and I think that Richie James is like a – he's just a depth signing. I don't think that – you know, we just yeah. talked about the wide receivers, and I, I didn't bring him up because he still had to mention that the Chiefs signed him, but I, I just don't think that – he's not a difference maker. He's not – like you mentioned, he's like a wide receiver five, wide receiver six kind of player, and he played a ton of snaps for the Giants last year and was uh, reasonably productive in an offense that – you know, didn't really offer much uh, outside of Saquon Barkley because their pass catchers were just bad. And so like uh, his snap count and the, and the numbers that he put up last season while being okay, like it, it, it's really more a product of the wide receiver group that they had in New York, which was pretty bad last season. Like Darius Slayton was probably their best wide receiver. Unless you think that Isaiah Hodgins was that dude. And then they had the rookie Wandale Robinson who wound up getting hurt and, you know, they trade Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs. Like their pass catchers just weren't very good. But Richie James is like a, an Andy Reid Chiefs, like typical kind of like camp body wide receiver who's got a good chance to, you know, maybe find like a special teams role and, and maybe get worked into the offense. But he's not a guy who's going to come in and be like an immediate starter or anything like that for the Chiefs. I found this this interesting about Richie James comes in at 5'10", 183 pounds in the draft a few years ago, ended up going to the the 49ers, a 4.48 40-yard dash. If you reference mock draftable, which gives you these comparisons, the one that sticks out the most for James in particular was Darnell Mooney, who I think is a player who, who does have upside, but more interesting, and this was a little bit less of a fit. So if Darnell Mooney was an 83.5% fit for James, Albert Wilson, who will be familiar to Chiefs fans, came in at a 79.7% um, comparison on, on mock draftable. And I can imagine maybe this is that type of guy, a little bit undersized, that you're, you're going to see what head coach Andy Reid somehow make the most out of and maybe it'll fool a team and you know eventually giving him a, a bigger contract. But I like the depth signing by the Chiefs. The simple fact is... And, you know, I say this carefully, I, like, I'm not panicked about what the Chiefs are doing at wide receiver. However, they do need bodies like this. I, and sometimes you see them throw a lot of bodies at certain positions heading into training camp. And, you know, training camp at that position becomes a big five man. You know, we're going to keep five or six of you guys type of melee to see who can emerge and make the roster like last year that player ended up being Justin Watson. I know that a lot of people wanted it to be Justin Ross before he was placed on injured reserve, but it ended up being Justin Watson. And I you know I think 
you have some depth guys there and the chiefs are going to see who, who wins those end of the room jobs. And I, I think you could say almost certainly Steve, right? Like there's going to be a receiver in here from the NFL draft. Now, whether or not it's one of those premium picks that that's the part that remains to be seen. Yeah. And I I mean, I hope that they do take a wide receiver and this isn't, you know, this isn't a great wide receiver draft class. Like there's plenty of red flags across the board with this group of pass catchers, but I think I kind of tend to think this might just be the world the Chiefs are kind of living in right now with the wide receivers. Like when you have Patrick Mahomes, when you have Travis Kelsey, who's still playing at an all world level, like they're just like, get us reliable guys, get us guys who can stay on the field and get us guys who can, you know, be where we want them to be. And we'll see with Kadarius Tony, we saw like last season he was kind of a role guy where when he's on the field, he's getting the ball because we're designing things for him specifically, but we're not throwing the whole offensive playbook at him because he came in mid season and he's just not going to learn Andy Reid's offense that fast. But I, I do think that over the last two years now we're seeing these value signings and even, you know, Juju and MVS were value signings compared to what wide receivers are getting on the market right now. And Justin Watson was productive for you last season. Justin Watson had some big games as a Kansas city chief. And like you mentioned, Pete, I think this is just kind of where the chiefs are at right now, where I'm not sure we're going to see them pay like top of market value for a wide receiver anytime soon, as opposed to finding these value signings like Richie James, like Justin Watson last year and and trying to find guys who fit what you need them to do and just having bodies to throw at it all the time. So you're never shorthanded. Like, I I think that's where we're at because the chiefs just know Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to make these guys productive. Like what they got out of Justin Watson last season, you're not getting that from Justin Watson in most NFL offenses that don't have like elite quarterback play. Yeah. And I, I think that was a a question about Mahomes headed into last year. Not only did, did the chiefs have it, I think the whole league had it right. Because Brady, did this when he was looked at it at the beginning of his career. It's like, can Brady do it with the next group of receivers? Is it Brady or is it the the pass catchers? And when you trade Tyree kill still one of the best receivers in the, in this game today, you begin to wonder, all right, how is that going to impact Pat? Well, they won a Super Bowl, So that question has been answered. Now. I, I don't think you want to get into a scenario that Aaron Rodgers facing green Bay, speaking of complete disasters, uh, where you are not supplying him any talent ever. But I think it's understandable as you manage the cap, as you manage these big salaries, that if you give Mahomes just enough, that's going to be just enough to win the damn championship. And I, I think that's okay in the long run. I really would like to see the Chiefs draft a receiver, which I, I do believe they intend to. Back to Odell just for a second, Steve. Man, the Ravens. I, I You know, you look at these teams in the AFC who are, are trying to compete, and you can make a case that the Ravens and Jets are both there if they can just get their quarterback situations settled. But the Ravens, who have not locked up Lamar Jackson long-term, go and, and give Odell Beckham Jr. $15 million guaranteed, including a signing bonus of 13.8 mil. Now, I had seen some people around the league getting on the Jets about not being more aggressive here because he was intending on going to New York and meeting with the Jets, and then the Ravens came in with the money. The Jets didn't miss out here. I do not think that paying Odell Beckham Jr. this amount of money after being injured for an entire season is a good route to go down. And if you're wondering 
I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs were never, ever going to give him anything close to this. When Odell was coming out on social media and saying, I, I'm not asking for 20, but I need more than four. I think it's a pretty decent bet that maybe the Chiefs were that like four mil plus you can get up to this amount with incentives, similar to what you saw with Juju last year. And that would have been a good deal for the Chiefs. But Odell, 13 million signing bonus, 15 million guaranteed, all these voided years with the cap hit for Baltimore being 11 million next year. I think that's a a big no thank you. And and the Chiefs, right, Steve, were, and the Jets and every other team that's not the Ravens were right for, for staying out of the Odell sweepstakes. Yeah, I don't understand what Baltimore's doing here at all this offseason. And, you know, the Ravens are one of those organizations that we praise them every year for how intelligent they are at drafting and managing the cap and building compensatory picks and doing all of that stuff. And for the most part, they've been successful at it for a really long time. But Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback that they've ever had in their franchise history. And to spend this much money on Odell when, you know, I I do think it it seems pretty clear that other NFL teams aren't going to offer up these two first round picks to make a deal with Lamar Jackson, that it's going to inevitably just lead to him staying in Baltimore and them working something out eventually. But I mean, they're just making a lot of assumptions and I don't think that this is good business and this is a good move by the Chiefs. Like if that was the cost to sign him, I have to imagine the Ravens were offering more than anybody else was because it seems crazy to offer him that much money. Then it's a, it's a smart move by general manager Brett Veach and the Chiefs to avoid that because that's not the kind of contract you want to carry. And I know it's only a one year deal, but it's still a lot of money for a guy who hasn't been super productive for a really long time. And he's got two ACL tears in the last three seasons and a a player who by every, every test, eye test, whatever that we try to gauge these guys with is probably past his prime is not the same elite caliber player that he used to be. And so you're banking on Rashad Bateman, who I think is a talented player, but has not played very much in his first two NFL seasons and Odell like being enough to put the Ravens over the top. And I just don't see that being the case. Yeah, I know. I know some fans were wanting maybe Adam Thielen and, and certainly Beckham. And I, I think I think now this deal ends Beckham ever becoming a chief. Brett Veach just doesn't like leaning into guys and giving them. And, and I'm oh. assuming Beckham will want a three or four year deal after this. A 30 year old, that type of contract. And guess what? It has worked. So. And even with DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, and him saying like, you know, Mm -hmm. I work out uh, less money on a deal. Well, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's 31 years old right now. DeAndre Hopkins still isn't sitting there telling himself, yeah, I'm a a six million dollar a year wide receiver. Like DeAndre Hopkins still thinks that he deserves 15 million a year, too. And I just don't think that those are smart deals to sign with 30 plus year old wide receivers. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. 
It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back here on the AP Draft Room Podcast. Appreciate you joining. Appreciate you listening. We're talking draft. We've been talking kind of about some of the news coming out uh, so far on this show. But now we're going to talk about our own personal takes on the class. Uh, because I, you know, I, I have finalized my position rankings for a few. Rocky, I know you've, you've I don't want to say you finalize them because I don't want to put any words in your mouth. You can tell me if you finalize them. Uh, I don't want to touch mine anymore. I have too much tweaking. I'll, 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 put, I'll, I'll push people up and down too much. I'm hands off on the edge, the defensive tackles, the receivers, the offensive tackles. No more. And those are the four I might kind of peruse real quick. But, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll give you the, the chance to say, are, are you finalized on your rankings? How are you feeling about them uh, right now? I'm about 99% finalized on my rankings. <laughs> I think I, I might need to knock Isaiah Foskey down a little bit lower than I currently have him. I currently have him at defensive end 16. And I, I, I'm, I might not even make him draftable on my draft board, honestly. <laughs> I'm so far out on him that, uh, I mean, he just might be off my board, I think, at this point. He's one of – and he's 17 for me, so we kind of have him in that similar range. He is one of those guys that that you do want to just keep pushing down because he's not exciting. He doesn't really give you any sort of of, uh, calling card, right, where you're saying, okay, but he does this, and that's why you should – no, he's just a very solid player. The thing is, though, he is – he has good size – uh, you know, he is a, he is a very solid player, you know, and, and uh, he does, he does play with good sound technique fundamentals, in my opinion, he just doesn't do much of else besides that. He's might be one of those guys that we all underrate way too much and then ends up being a really solid starter in the NFL. Uh, he, he's just kind of funny in that way. Cause I, I, I don't like him either, but the more I think about it, it's like, are we, are we all not liking him too much or maybe, you know, I don't know how strong are you? Are you, are, are you feeling pretty strong that, that, that he's a, uh, that he's no go. He's a no bueno. I- it could all be coaching. It could all be coaching. But you say he plays fundamentally sound football. He plays fundamentally sound football in the on the wrong position of the field. Like he's in the wrong place at the wrong time on every single snap. Like I probably watched at least 10 snaps where there was a running play and he legitimately had his back to the running back as the running back ran past him and he wasn't engaged with it with an offensive lineman. He was running towards the boundary and the running back ran right behind him. Like it's like he it's, it's his awareness. Yeah. Almost. Instincts. Yeah. His instincts are just not there in my opinion. And so you can have all the size, you can have all the speed, you know, but if you don't know how to drive the car, then yeah, then you can't go anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. I I, I think uh, I think he's going to be a, a a guy that that goes probably second third round and just you know you we, we never really hear from as a, as a legit guy, but maybe a rotation guy again. Another guy though you have on your list that I'm I'm just not realizing how high you have him, and I I love it. I wish I was higher on him now that I'm looking at it. Tuli Tua Pelotu, USC defensive lineman, Rocky. I didn't know you were about this life that you uh that that you were such a Tuli guy, man. Oh my gosh, I've been a Thule guy since day one. I think before I actually watched 
uh, Lucas Van Ness and Nolan Smith. I had Tuli at number two just because I like him so much. The guy's yeah. got size. He's got strength. He's not the bendiest player, but he's a super intelligent football player. And he doesn't – his pass rush the, – the key to his pass rush isn't that he overpowers guys, which he has the strength to do with a bull rush, but he'll wait for the snap and he'll find the seam between the tackles and he'll attack it and just knife in there and slice into the backfield. And he has the size to kind of play that inside outside that the chiefs like to do um, and get kicked around anywhere along the line. Um, He's not the fastest guy, but he's fast enough, right? Like he's not going to, he's not going to ever drop back into zone coverage. Like, you know, Spags likes to do once in a balloon moon with his edge rushers. And if he has to chase a guy sideline to sideline, the faster quarterbacks are going to be able to pull away from him. But that's true for almost any edge rusher. There's like hardly any edge rushers that are going to catch up to Kyler Murray from behind. Right. You know, and so I think he has enough speed and he's got size. He's got strength. But more than anything, his his pass rush game game plan is all based on his how cerebral he is about about after the snap. And I'm just a big fan of it. No, man, I, I'll i tell you. I mean, you say he doesn't have, you know, the greatest bend. I mean, you know, for his size, uh, you know, he was he was looking pretty smooth around, you know, coming around um, the, the, the edges of offensive linemen blocking or blockers. Um, I, I really like him for his athleticism at his size. I mean, you even watch, you know, uh, uh, you know, the only game I was able to watch, you know, film-wise was the UCLA game. They were using him as an off-ball linebacker half the time, you know, blitzing. Not not in covers like you mentioned. They don't want to use him in those situations, but just giving him a runway to blitz and just you know blow up pockets. I mean, that's the kind of player he is. That you just kind of want to get him in a situation where he's just going after the quarterback. Um, it's you know whether it's over a guard or a tackle. I, yeah, I, I like him. I think he may he may need to get um, you know, some things cleaned up to play full time edge, like you kind of maybe mentioned. Um, but man, I don't know. He's got that size. He was one of my prospects of the week, uh, you know, on this show, because I do think he fits really what the chiefs want. I love it, man. I love it. Derek Hall though. I got to bring this up because this is a little, this is a little sore subject for me. Uh, cause I got him, I got him at number five overall in my edge rushing prospects. You have him at 13, uh, behind Jose Ramirez, which, Hey, you know, you got to love that. Um, and, and I will say pass rush wise, you know, Jose Ramirez is, is a much better pass rusher at this point than Derek Hall is, what I what what I think is is getting me on Derek Hall, Rocky. I'll be honest with you. And I talked about this on the AP film room last night. I think he just he's he feels like such a good fit for the Chiefs. And the reason I think he feels like such a good fit for the Chiefs is because he reminds me so much of Frank Clark. And that's that's the good and the bad. And so, you know, maybe five is too high for a Frank Clark type of player, you know, in in the ways we think about him. But just in terms of, of, of his size, right, he's got these long arms that they kind of, you know, use as, as, as levers, and, and he's not the tallest dude, so he still has that kind of compact body where he can still have kind of that leverage uh, ability, that leverage advantage, you know, when he's attacking offensive tackles. He can corner very well. He's tightening pockets very well. The bend isn't, isn't all the way there, which I think you can say the same about Frank Clark to an extent, where, like, you feel like he bends pretty well, but, like, it's almost almost – it's only when he wins really off this, off the, the snap really. Right. Like he's not truly bending a lot, you know, um, just in, in the, uh, in a phone booth and, and Derek Hall is kind of the same way, but you kind of see how he, he can set up the speed and attack inside and, and, and kind of get some stuff there. He doesn't have in much pass rush moves where Frank Clark does. And that's, I think that's where he can develop into a, a kind of Frank Clark type of player. But again, I, I keep mentioning him as Frank Clark 
is that worth such a high pick? Because, you know, I think, uh, you know, 55 goes crazy a, a lot of times over the last few years with, with some of the, you know, some of the non-effectiveness uh, for, for a lot of times. So I don't know. You have him at 13. Um, what have you seen from Derek Hall? And, uh, you know, just, just is it a, is it a matter of just, you know, uh, you know, having a lot of guys above him that you like, or just, is there any, is there any kind of telling or calling cards for him that you're like, eh, not a huge fan. No, I think it's like you mentioned, it's just that there's a lot of guys that I like in this draft. I think that you look at it and this draft might be, you know, 13 or 15 deep of guys who come in and are actual contributors, you know, in the NFL at edge. I mean, and the fact that I have two of these at four kind of pushes some other guys down the board, like Tyree Wilson, I have at five, right? Right. You know what I mean? And so, and so because of that, you know, some guys just kind of get ticked down, ticked down, but really number six with Felix, I have Felix Anaduki Uzoma at number six from six to 13, that whole entire range of guys are all kind of similar an ability in my mind. And so it's almost like, like six, a six B six C six, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know? And so. That's the kind of class it there. is. That yeah, is the kind of class it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all just kind of similar in my opinion, as far as skill wise, and it's just choose your flavor at that point. Yeah. Cause I had like him and Ojolari very close to me. I think they are similar players. I just, I just think Hall's a little more um, ready right away to, to, to play, uh, you know, full, all the, you know, all downs. But I will say, I mean, he, he still needs some development. You know, I don't know if he'd be a, a surefire, you know, starter at defensive end right away for the Chiefs. Um, I think he might just because of the necessity there. Um, but he's just one I, I saw a, a good difference. And I think for the most part, though, we're, we're aligned. You know, we both are pretty low on Miles Murphy. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know what it is. I think, you know, I think a lot of people say that. And then he just still ends up as a consensus top 15, top 20 player. Um you know, I don't know. I, I, we've talked about Miles Murphy enough. Um, Will McDonald up at seven, though. I'll, I'll give you some credit there for, for for calling your shot a little bit there, because I know, you know, hey, he's a he's he's that light guy. He's got that lightweight, um, and and it's gonna maybe affect him, you know, uh, as as a Chiefs prospect. But he's got the long arms, and so maybe is there is there any way you see the Chiefs maybe overlooking that weight and that size, and maybe saying, look, you got the arms, you got the pass rush ability. That's what we need right now. Hey, let's let's pull the trigger and kind of get kind of an outlier for Spags. Is there any is there any possibility you see doing that? There is, and I think it's because we, we talk a lot about like we want to we want to believe in the Spags outlier when we believe in the prospect. Like like we say, Nolan Smith. Oh, Nolan Smith all day for the Chiefs if he's there, but he's a huge huge outlier. You know, just as much as Will McDonald is, and with Will McDonald, you're really just like you're betting on the traits. And on the production, right? You know, he's a power five conference guy who has what, like 26 sacks, you know, in his, in his college career. Like the guy's been a very productive pass rusher in a power five conference. Um, And he's like, he's, he's, he's electric, but he also, he has multiple pass rush moves. Like he's not just like a one trick pony, right? Like we saw Carlotta's come out last year and he was all bull rush, right? That's not Will McDonald. Like, Will McDonald's skinny's going to chop you. He's going to go around the edge. He's going to try to move inside. He's going to try a bull rush sometimes, but he's going to switch it up, and he's going to go from one move to another. He's like a fully developed pass rusher. Yeah, and that's where the experience helps, right? Uh, you know, having all that time in, in college to, to develop those moves. So you can come into the NFL right away and kind of already have a, a plan in terms of how to attack an offensive tackle. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Will McDonald guy. Excited to see where he goes in, in, in the draft. Let's switch over to defensive tackles, though. I think it's, it's one of my favorite positions in this class. I had a lot of fun kind of going through a lot of these guys. Um, it seems like, you know, it, it just seems like a lot of these guys could could come in and just just kind of, you know, eat up snaps for the Chiefs if they needed to. I had Keanu Benton as my number two guy overall. You have him at number three, so we're, we're pretty aligned there. Um, I, I think he was just one of those guys where I just want, I just want to plant the flag. You know, I, I, do, I do think the Mozzie Smith, Siaki, Siaki Ikas, you know, they, they, they could be close in, in some extent. I even think Zach Pickens, honestly, isn't that far off from Keanu Benton um, as a prospect in some respects. But I don't know, man. I just love how big he is, his, his long arms, man, his paws, dude, and, and just the way he moves. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Is there anyone in this defensive tackle class kind of like me where you just want to plant your flag and say, look, this is my guy. I just feel like, you know, maybe not even just as a Chiefs fit, but just a player. Is there anyone you're really uh, wanting to kind of plant your flag on? Yeah, I mean, so the guy that I really want to plant my flag on, obviously, well, I love Keanu Benton. He's my number three guy. He's like a little Chris sure. Jones Jr. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'll plant my flag on, on the conductor, Kobe Turner, coming out of Wake oh, Forest. Of course. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's he just he he he's a little undersized, sure, but he's 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 awesome against the run. He's got great lateral movement. He's a I, I know I say this a lot cuz I'm a big fan of smart football players. Of guys who when you sit and you listen to them talk about the philosophy of football that they just they just get it, right? And when you listen and you talk to him, he just gets it. He started his college career uh, playing for Richmond University, the Spiders as a walk-on because he wow. was going. He was, he was he was because he didn't get any offers because he was splitting his time between choir and football. And so he went. He actually went to Richmond to get his music degree, and then walked on at Richmond, and then you know blew up to two hundred and ninety pounds, dominated there, and so then he transferred to Wake Forest, and then dominated at Wake Forest. But he's a guy who is very heavily into music theory and classical music. He, he ran, he had, he founded three acapella groups in high school. Oh right. Gosh. So he's, so he's not like a guy, he's not, he's not a, an athlete that, that that's a musician quote unquote. Like he actually like understands music theory is a really, really, really smart football player. And then translates kind of the movements of music and sound and how it all works together in the same way at, on the football field and how it correlates between the entire defensive unit working together. Right. And so I, I I'll put my flag on Kobe Turner. I I'll fight for him and bang my fist on the table for him all day long. Yeah, that is definitely your guy. He's a, he's a top five guy for you in this class. Um, I mean, and he, and you did just review him for the site. Make sure people go check that out. I, I, we did just drop that for, for the people on airheadpride.com. Him and Carl Brooks, though, right? It does seem like you you kind of, you know, you were early on the Carl Brooks train as well. It seemed like uh, you were one of the first people I heard kind of bring him up as a guy um, early on in the process. Is it a similar kind of thing? You know, I know maybe not the same kind of players, but uh, is he kind of a guy you're kind of maybe taking some pride in uh, calling out? Uh, I'm big on Carl Brooks and for a different reason than Kobe Turner. I'm, I'm big on Carl Brooks, kind of similar than I am big on Jose Ramirez. Um, he maximizes the most of what he has. He plays with a lot of anger and power. And in writing the story for the site, you kind of go back and you look at his high school 
and who he was out of high school. He was a 220-pound linebacker coming out of high school, and now he's a 300-pound interior defensive lineman. Oh, man. That's and, and, and on some of the recruiting sites, like, like he had a – there's a, one of them, it was called the D-Zone, I think. There was a profile that he wrote. And on the profile, he said, what are college coaches going to get from you as a player? And he said, I'm a guy that's going to show up for my teammates 24-7 and be a leader, not just in the locker room, but outside the locker room as well. And they asked why he likes playing football. And he said, I like playing football because it's my chance to get out. You know, and so it's it's one of those things where where hungry. I I I, yeah. I like hungry football players. I want guys who want to be on the field and need to be on the field. They need to succeed, right? You don't want a guy like you know. I loved Aiden Hutchinson last year, but you watch Aiden Hutchinson on Hard Knocks. You know, God bless him out to dinner with his with the, at his mansion or whatever with his family, yeah. you know, his dad, who's a, who's a very well, well off doctor and everything. And that's great. God bless them. They have a great life, but I want the guy who has to succeed, who has no backup plan. And Carl Brooks is a guy who has no backup plan. 